Welcome back from the international break. What is up? And welcome in. It is post loons June 19th, 2022, following a 2-1 to loss for Minnesota United at the hands of New England Revolution on the road in their first match back after that three-week break. Alongside me to break down all the action and provide some analysis and a little rapid recap here is none other than James Hargrave all the way from the Netherlands. James, I'm assuming that all your travels this last couple of weeks have gone safely. Um, you've been on time for the most part and uh, everything went well. Yeah, it went, uh, it went super well. It was also great meeting you uh, yeah. like in person, having a beer. That was really awesome. I did get COVID last week, though, uh, on the way oh. back from Scotland. So finally got me. But uh, yeah. no, nah, was, uh, I was actually pretty fine. I'm, I'm, I'm vaxxed and boosted and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, just uh, I see nothing change, though. Uh, <laughs> we had a loss when I was <laughs> there, and we followed it up with another loss. So unfortunate yeah but uh yeah me and post loons and losses so uh, you know we love having you on james but maybe <laughs> maybe this is the end maybe maybe we 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 lock you out of post loons from here on out look, I, but, look, i'm repping the aurora shirt because aurora yeah. got the w all right so yeah big win for minnesota aurora today i guess we'll, let's start uh by touching on that so two nil over Caw valley minnesota aurora remains undefeated at the halfway point of their uslw league season so shout out to them and shout out to everybody who went to tco stadium today 93 degrees uh i believe yeah, at kickoff. Was, it was and, a lot uh, 4,800, 4,900 people i think they said was final attendance that's that's fantastic crazy. i mean let's start with the positive there that uh <laughs> ex excellent turnout excellent support on a holiday no less on father's day um that you get that kind of uh turnout in 93 degree weather so um, yeah, excellent for Minnesota Aurora, but on the flip side, James, we are here to break down a two to one loss for Minnesota United. So let's jump into that and let's start with our three things. And James, being that you are a steam guest, I'll let you kick things off here. Uh, well, the first one was pretty simple. Another post loons, and then we lost again. I can already hear Sam saying James out in, uh, in the back of my head. Hashtag I mean, James look, out. like, right. yeah, we, we looked real good in the first half and then we just looked uh, a totally different team in the second half right and it's mm -hmm. it's one of those things where i don't know why we changed what we were doing because we looked we looked so good and we looked so attacking and we we should have had more than one goal i mean we had a, at least a couple of we had 10 shots right at half time i think and about five yep. on target so yep we should have done better and props to their goalkeeper. There was a couple of incredible saves right there. Um, shout out to Arsenal. You know, finally my club comes in handy, making sure Matt Turner sits on the bench for his final home game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we just, uh, yeah, we looked so good. And then the second half, we just looked like we parked the bus and we didn't look like we had any attacking flair at all until we were already 2-1 down. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm going to go my uh, with my first thing, uh, talking about Matt Turner there. The Rebs were vulnerable today, not only in personnel, but in their play on the field. You look pregame, not only do, uh, I guess, Arsenal placed a request that even though this was Matt Turner's last match, they wanted to make sure he was coming in healthy. So they uh, kindly asked that he sit this one out um, and New England obliged. Um, but not only are they missing Matt Turner, but they're missing one of their best defenders in former Minneapolis City product, Brandon by as well. So due to that yeah. injury to buy and the uh, missing Turner, um, this was a real opportunity for the loons. And 
it looked it on the field in the first half. New England was very sloppy, a lot of giveaways, a lot of turnovers um, forced by the loons or, or just given away by New England in some cases. And uh, constant, constant counterattacks. But you do get the one goal, but there was a real opportunity to take a real stranglehold on that match at halftime. And how many times have we sat here and said this, James? They had opportunities early on that they didn't really fully take advantage of, and that was their undoing at the end. I think just about every time. Every time. It's a a Groundhog Day situation, but uh, here we are. The alarm alarm clock's going off again, and it's the same exact day as before. All right, James, hit us with your uh, second thing. I think the the second thing is we we needed to make substitutions a lot earlier. Like we mm-hmm. we came out after after the half and then we we already looked kind of vulnerable. We already looked like we were just going to sit back and let them attack. Then they score honestly a lucky goal. It's hard as a keeper when you're already moving one way and there's a deflection to then move back the other way. You know, but. DSC will want that back every other time because he probably makes that save like 95, 98, 99 times out of 100, right? Mm. But then there's a free kick and then we go 2-1 down and then Adrian's making a substitution. You got to make that substitution when you're already 1-1 because they have threatened a couple of times to go 2-1, right? So Mm. even from open play. So we need to make sure that we actually do those substitutions before that point so that it doesn't get to 2-1 down, then we make subs, and then we're just chasing the game like we do seemingly every time. Yeah, and that was a criticism of, of Adrian Heath in, in past years specifically, that he was, you know, it seemed like the substitution protocol was more reactive than proactive. And I think that yeah. narrative maybe changed a little bit early on in the season. We saw a few instances early in the season where, you know, sub proactive substitutions made in the second half directly related to wins for Minnesota United, right? But yeah. Tonight, we didn't really see that. As you mentioned, it was already a two-to-one scoreline when Bongi comes on um, as that first sub. And, um, yeah, like I said, you're chasing the game at that point. New England's packing it in, making it really, really tough. So, uh, yeah, I I agree with you there that maybe some earlier subs could have helped maybe at least keep the scoreline 1-1 or maybe turn things around in your favor. Um, My second thing is we saw the return, and this is a phrase that I've coined. I haven't seen anybody else on uh, Minnesota United Twitter take this and run with this yet, but I'm going to keep putting this out into the ether. The hashtag nothing counters are back, James. Um, If you are a first-time listener slash viewer of Post Loons, you might be wondering, what's a nothing counter? I'll tell you what a nothing counter is. It's when Minnesota United forces a turnover in midfield or in the attacking third, and they have numbers or maybe they have even numbers as they're on the attack and somehow some way time and time again it amounts to nothing at least tonight there or today in the first half there were shots and shots on goal but again you don't fully take it take advantage of those opportunities and one thing that i see as a constant when minnesota united is in the attack is defenders are outrunning the minnesota united attackers when the loons hit a counter um Sometimes there's times when Robin Lud has the ball, Franco Fragapane has the ball, and they're able to get some pace. But if it's Amaria or if it's somebody in the defensive midfield who's bringing the ball up, they don't have anybody who can really uh, apply pace and get down the field in a uh, attacking situation before that defense is able to get back and recover. I feel like so many times when Minnesota United hits a counterattack, um, they are allowing the defense – through lack of pace and whatever you want to attribute it to, 
they're allowing the defense to get back and recover before they're able to do anything. And then all of a sudden you have to slow it up and you have to rely on Robin Lud and Amanda Reynoso to do their thing on the ball to create space and get a shot. Um, it's, it, it just, it's just so constant with this team. The, the counterattacking opportunities are there, but they're just not optimized. And I don't know what the answer is, but we see it so many times at hand, you know, at least five times every single match. And it's, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but I feel like something's got to change in that regard specifically. Yeah, I agree, mate. Like we, we just have to work out, like I said, we have to work out how to fix that counter movement. And then I think, I think we'd be golden because if we can turn more of them, even into opportunities at goals, we're just going to score more goals because Mm -hmm. that's one thing we're really bad at is actually scoring goals. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, James, what's your third thing? So my third thing I was thinking about this was that time and time again, they talked about how New England had dropped so many points and had let in so many goals at the end in the last 15 minutes of games. They let in nine goals in the last 15 minutes and they dropped like 19 points from winning positions this season, Mm -hmm. which is a crazy stat. Like (laughs) that's almost, I think, as many points as they actually had, right? So so many points they could have could have put in the bank and it's one thing that we just couldn't take advantage of and kind of bring a positive from that into kind of that stat is how good ray and lod looked in the first half yeah they looked real good i was Mm. i was pleasantly surprised that ray looked that good and then we just couldn't turn that into points at the end of the game and in the last 15 Mm. minutes when the revs were vulnerable and have been all season we finally started to get back into it, but we just couldn't kind of produce. And a few times we just lost the ball. I think Luis Amaria got a yellow card because he got frustrated that because, yeah, he he had a terrible first touch and, and lost the ball. And there were just times, I think things didn't go in our favor. There was an Adriana New yellow card, not yellow card for that weird thing that happened in the penalty box as well. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But yeah. Yeah, we I like, we just. We just didn't take advantage, even though how good we looked in the first half. They were so bad in the last 15 minutes or when they take the lead. And we mm. just couldn't take advantage of that, even though yeah. they're actually like the worst in MLS. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned how good Ray and, and Lud looked in the first half. I actually tweeted that it doesn't really matter who you have at striker when those two guys are clicking like they are. It almost counteracts the striker issues that this team has had. But yeah. When the other team makes adjustments, we see the flip side of that, right? feel like the Revs yeah. made some defensive adjustments in the second half to really uh, negate what Ray and Lud were able to do. And then you see that there's no support in the attack to make up for it when that happens. If there is a – I don't even want to say high quality. Yeah. Adrian Anu and Luisa Maria, objectively, when you take out the Loons lens and you look at their entire careers, they're high-quality strikers. They're high-quality number nine. So you can argue all day whether it's performance on their part or it's how they're being used or whatever as to why they're having issues. But they, they, they're they not playing well with this team and in this system. And when you don't have a number nine who's dangerous and you have a team like the Revs who are able to make adjustments and able, you know, have the personnel and have a, a manager like Bruce Arena who is able to see the game the way he does and, and make those adjustments and counter what you're able to do, and you don't have an answer for that answer, 
then what are you going to do? And th that's what we saw. We saw one team make adjustments and we saw Minnesota United, if they made adjustments at halftime, I did not see it play out on the pitch at all. No, I mean, I think Bruce Arena just outmanaged and outfoxed Adrian Heath, really. Uh, you, I mean, you have the reigning MVP, right? In uh, Charles Hill, is it? I, I thought yeah. it was Jill. But well, it's Carlos it's, Hill. So it Carlos looks like Hill. Hill, but there's no H. It's Carlos Hill. And the, the yeah. G is silent. Yeah. I know. So, the only reason I know that is because I was watching the Revs broadcast on ESPN+. Plus. That's the only reason I know that. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when you got a player of that caliber and you have someone like, you know, Josie Altador as well is up the front. And, you know, that's – firstly, that guy's massive. And yeah. secondly, there's a lot of talent there, right? He's been around a long time. So, yeah, it's just one of those things that you got to adjust and they didn't. And then, yeah, we – it, it did take a very special free kick, but at the end of the day, we they had an XG of like 0.5. That's not a game we should be losing. No, not at all. Uh, let's go to some of the uh, Twitter, or let's go to some of the questions and comments here on YouTube specifically. Um, I didn't mention this at the beginning, so let me do that right now. If you are watching on YouTube, if you could please give us a thumbs up, that would be great. You can tap that bell to be notified whenever we drop a new video on our YouTube channel. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, leave a question or a comment, and we will read it and respond to it on the air as well. Like this one from Solomon Bell. Pretty simple. He says tough. Yeah, it was a tough night for Minnesota United. Christian says... I had to rub my eyes in the first half. We looked dangerous in the offensive half. Lots of good flicks and passes. Clearly, the Revs made the adjustments at half, and we played typical Heath ball. Uh, Christian then goes on to say, this seems to be a recurring theme this season. We can hang with the good teams, but can't ever put them away. Hard not to be cynical at this point. Yeah, I mean, look, it's been – Yeah, very, very good point. Um, and it's it's been a frustrating season, right? I mean, you you – at the very least thought the goals would go in the back of the net. And if we were going to have issues, it's that you were losing 5-4, 4-3, 4-2, 2 type matches. That has not been the case. You're one of the best teams defensively in the league. 17 goals allowed. Uh, but you only have scored 16. Very, very rare you see a team. How many matches in are we at this point? We have played 15. 15 matches. Very rare. Through 15 matches, do you see a team who's let in 17 goals have a goal differential of minus one? But that's where Minnesota United is at right now. It's been the attack. It's been the goal scoring. It's been the finishing that has been the issue. And it's been such a common theme. You thought you had it fixed this year. Um, obviously, that hasn't been the case. And now, um, Callum Williams uh, mentioned this in the pregame. Reportedly, Minnesota United's looking to bring on another striker. Um, I, I don't blame them. <laughs> considering how the season is gone. But I also have oh, very little confidence at this point that anybody you bring in can make a difference the way this is going. I mean, you you literally have the highest paid player on your team who is a striker just sitting on the bench, right? Like the one thing I want to see from Minnesota, the, the one, just, just one, but a thing what I would love to see from Minnesota United, I would love to see a two-striker system. Just let Anu right. play off. That's where he like. That's where he wants to be. He prefers two striker system. Just play a two striker system because at the moment there are only two other teams who have let in seventeen goals. There are a couple who have let in less, but there are two other teams who have let in seventeen goals: the Sounders, who have scored twenty, and LAFC, who have scored thirty 
and sit up the top, right? So mm. same defensive record, twice as many goals sitting at the top of the table. Mm. So it's clear yeah. it's clear yeah. something isn't working. Stick two strikers in there and, and just have a go because we're sitting in 11th place, right? Mm. you got to try something. James, I, I agree with you, but I will tell you, if we're in the post-game press conference right now and we ask Adrian Heath what his thoughts are on a two-striker <laughs> system, I guarantee he would tell you he's he likes it. I think ideally he say, he'll say he would like to do it, but I think he will point to the defensive injuries and issues that this team has been having um, with personnel on the back line. Because if you play two at the front, <laughs> excuse me, you're probably playing three at the back. And basically you're having to play with five defenders. At that, at that point with three center backs and two wing backs. Um, so he'll probably tell you that they don't have the personnel on the back at this point to play that kind of system. And we're, I, I don't disagree. I also don't see what it can hurt at this point either to, to try it. Even if you got to throw all your defenders out there, bring up a couple of UFC two guys, bring in Devin Paddleford up uh, to be on the bench and possibly uh, you know swap in if needed in the second half. You have some guys there in the reserve team that you could bring up to fill up some bench spots if you need to fill that back line for a, a three-five-two. I, I just don't know if, if the way things are going. If you have a healthy Roman Metnair, um, and, and you have kind of uh, oh, you know that, that even... healthy crop of defenders that tough. Minnesota United had heading into the season, or I shouldn't see they didn't even have healthy defenders heading into the season but when you were in the preseason looking at this squad and seeing the whole lineup of defenders they have if all those guys are guys are healthy and ready to go i honestly think he does it i think he goes with the three five two because they were practicing that in the preseason um right i was so excited to see this you have those issues along the back line so i don't think we're going to see it i think i still think we should but i just don't think we are and I mean, the doubloons or the whatever you want to call MNUFC too. I know everyone has a different kind of name for them, but they have looked real good, right? Yeah. Started off a little bit rocky, but then blasted together a whole bunch of wins and, and penalty wins. And yeah, I've just looked really good. So at this point, why not, man? Like, I mean, it's, it's not going any better currently. Looking at the lineup ahead of the game, you have two goalkeepers on the bench. Yeah. Why not have a guy like Azil Jackson, Devin Paddleford, somebody? Oh, that there. free kick was He's an outfield player. That doesn't make any like just from a from a team roster construction standpoint, that doesn't make any sense to me. No, that 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 free kick was scrumptious as well. Against, yeah, it uh, was. It was really. It was not a fluke. It wasn't a. Oh, this is a friendly, so Ooh. the goalkeeper's not going to try. Like that was that was an A plus free kick. Absolutely. Yeah. But. Alas, we we have two goalkeepers on the bench and could have probably you. I mean, why, if if Azil Jackson's on the bench, I would like to see him in this match in the second half. Why not give him a, a chance to provide a spark? You're down a goal. Why not? Um, that, that, yeah. I think that could have been something. I mean, he's obviously got some confidence. He's playing well with them in the UFC too. He played well in the friendly. Uh, would have really liked to see somebody else uh, get that slot in the in the twenty. I think it's still twenty. I say this every time. I don't know if it's 18 or 20. I don't even I don't count <laughs> the, the lineup. I know they went to 20 a couple years ago. I think it's still 20 uh, that you can have on that game day roster. But anyways, um, moving on. Uh, Sam. It is, it is 20. It is 20. Our buddy Sam, your co-host on Pot on Your Loons, uh, really liking your use of the word scrumptious. 
Happy Father's Day, Sam, by the way. And happy Father's Day to all the uh, all the dads out there, all the soccer dads, all the Loon fan dads who are watching. Um, happy Father's Day to you day. too, man. Appreciate it, Dad man. Thank there. you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a it's been a fun little weekend. Had my daughter's birthday yesterday and then Father's Day today. Uh, so it's been it's been pretty eventful, but it's it's been fun. Um, but James, let's go ahead and get into these uh uh, these match moments here as we're going to call them. So in, in, in lieu of doing full-on game notes where we go through every single thing that happened pretty much, we're going to pick out uh, three or four big moments from the match and sort of go go in depth on them. Um, and in the first 20 minutes here, James, we won't go through a specific moment here, but it really seemed like kind of furthering our conversation from before, uh, New England was allowing Minnesota to kind of have long i would say medium to long range opportunities um guys yeah. like lud and reynoso were getting pretty open looks from outside the 18 and putting some decent shots on goal but um you know in lieu of uh, of matt turner not being there you had petrovich for uh new england and goal i thought he had a pretty nice match actually he was called upon quite a few times uh made a couple decent saves in those first 20 minutes um yeah this is another scenario here, James, where the loons are sort of getting out of the front foot. They're, you know, going toe to toe with, uh, you know, objectively a pretty good team in New England on the road. Um, but they aren't really able to get anything in that first 20 minutes until we get to the 37th. And that's where we'll start with uh, our specific moments here. It's a goal for Minnesota United. Robin Lud puts a really I call this a sublime pass on Twitter. Uh, I couldn't really uh, think of a better adjective for it. This was a beautiful little threaded pass to Reynoso in the box. And yeah, I mean, I think Andrew Farrell knows exactly what he's doing here when he takes Reynoso <laughs> down. Because, I mean, look, you you can't let Reynoso have that clean of a look from the box. I think no. Farrell's like, you know what? I'm going to just go in here. And if the ref doesn't call it, he doesn't call it. But if And if it's a PK, I'll tip my cap. I'm not going to let this tap in happen. Um, well, I guess I'll make him earn it from the penalty spot. That's exactly what Farrell does. I think he has no choice there but to take but to take him down. And then obviously uh, Reynoso buries the PK. Really, really nice kind of hesitation on the penalty kick. Reynoso is so good from the spot and puts the loons up 1-0. What do you think of the goal? Yeah, I mean, you're you're up against a, a relatively rookie keeper, right? Like not a lot of uh, MLS minutes. Probably doesn't have the kind of penalty save knowledge that, that most keepers will do doesn't quite have the the song and dance that uh, Redmayne has for Australia I don't know if anyone watched that but that was that was some quality right there if you haven't go find it on YouTube just great goalkeeping in a penalty shootout specifically bought on for it threw the water bottle into the stand as well that was great there was all kinds of things that went on but like I said the pass was just sublime defender has really no chance and no option and then yeah just the stutter step and the the send the wrong way just passing it into the net not trying to overhit it just getting the job done one nil we look great yeah I mean, things are clicking yeah you're getting a lot of opportunities it finally capitalized on the goal in the 37th 40th they nearly double the lead there as lawrence overlaps fires a really nice ball to amaria i thought it might have just been uh you know because of the circumstances and because he found the ball at his feet and good chances. I thought Amaria had a pretty decent game, relatively speaking, overall tonight. Had a few really good chances. He actually got himself in the goal scoring chances a few times, as opposed to what we have seen previously. Um, wasn't yeah. able to bury them, 
But I thought all in all, specifically this instance in the 40th minute, he's making a really nice run to the near post. And that's something we haven't seen really from Amaria this season. He's right. more standing with his back to goal, trying to find a soft spot in the box where somebody can find him and he can turn and shoot. He's not really making many runs, but here he does. And he makes himself available for Lawrence. Lawrence makes a nice pass and it's a really good opportunity. Unfortunately, it's right at Petrovic though. It doesn't really challenge him, but it's like the first, I looked at that and it's the first time in a while where I'm like, wow, that was actually a really positive, really positive contribution from Amaria making that run. Yeah, and I mean, you got to give your hats off to, to Petrovic as well because if he bobbles that save, Robin Lord is right there and you know he's going to bury it, right? So real props to the keeper on a save because those kind of balls are super hard to hang on to. So to be able to get that under control, you know, you bobble that, you're, you're going 2-0 down. But great shot, great run, looked fantastic, just... The kind of Amaria that we saw at the start of 2020, like pre kind of pre COVID, just looked on point. Like I said, just had a great game in the first half. Actually, you know, lost lost the ball under his feet a couple of times in the second half. It started to kind of drift and got the yellow card and stuff. But mm. yeah, really much more positive play. Obviously, scored in the friendly as well. Mm. Um, so debate about whether that counts as the 20 towards the 25 goals or not, but. Yeah, it, it looked really solid and he has started to play with a little bit more confidence, I think. And yeah, just just needs to score, man. Like he puts that away and that confidence level skyrockets and he starts looking a much better player. And strikers, it's all about scoring and building confidence and maintaining that momentum. He misses there, great save, but then the second half gets a little frustrated, gets a yellow card, and then it's just kind of just feels like he goes back to the old way a little bit. Absolutely. But All right. Should so have we positives, gonna, though. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to get to the second half in just a second. But first, got to shout out our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Sorry there, James. Uh, That's okay. Cut, cutting you off on the, on the stream here. But um, we're, our good friends over at Night Street have been awesome to us, supporting us and helping us out on post loons and 10,000 pitches uh, for a while now, for the last couple of years. And they're a really, really good group of people trying to bring the Minnesota soccer community together, together at their part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop there in Northeast Minneapolis. You can see the um, you can see the address right there, right there, 801 South 9th Street, Minneapolis. You can also see the web address right there, 9 streetmplscom um, They were out at the Aurora game tonight, James. Um, I don't know if you saw that or today. Um, handing out some iced coffees for the uh, for the people in the heat. Um, very, very cool. Um, and again, they're just a great group of guys and have a really, really cool space. I mean, this is unique. You can go in, get your pickup game in. Uh, they have weekly pickup available. Very, very affordable. If you want to play pickup soccer indoors, which means rain, shine, oppressive heat, doesn't matter. <laughs> you can go get your pickup game in at 9th Street. Um, very, very affordable. So check out those times on the website. And then you can also just go and chill. If you're if you're working from home, for example, and you're a big soccer fan and you want to go to a place where you can, you know, watch soccer during the day with some other people who are interested in soccer, 9th Street is a great place for that too. They have soccer on the TVs pretty much all day long when there are matches on during the day. Um, and they also have some of the best coffee. And I'm not kidding. I've become quite the coffee guy recently, James. I got one of those. Um, so obviously I get the Galazzo brew from 9th Street. 
but I also have gotten one of those like coffee uh, memberships, if you will, where every month they send you a new coffee to try. Um, it's a yeah. slippery slope. It is a slippery slope. Uh, but so I've become a bit of a, of a coffee connoisseur, if you will. Um, so I, I like to think that I know a good coffee when I see one. I don't know why I'm holding this like I'm holding a wine glass. I don't know why yeah. I'm doing that. Maybe also, that's not what you do with coffee. I should, I should do this. It, it's I probably a good job that. you covered me seeing as I haven't had coffee in about two and a half years. So I have no, <laughs> I have no horse in this race. <laughs> that's but, why I'm behind the ad. <laughs> but you would break the streak for, for Ninth Street, right? I, I would. There you go. There you go. That's all, that's all I need to know. Um, if it's good <laughs> enough for James, it, it'll be good enough uh, for, for anybody who wants to go and try their coffee play some pickup or just hang out at a really, really cool spot in Northeast Minneapolis. Hit them up, 9thStreetMPLS.com or find them at 801 South 9th Street in Minneapolis. Big thanks again to our friends over at 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. All right, you're back, James. Uh, Let's go to the second half now. And unfortunately, we're going to kick off with two goals, both from New England. Uh, 53rd minute, um, Hill finds Dylan Barrero at the top of the box. He sends one on goal. Um, there's some traffic around him. It, it takes a bit of a deflection and it just squirts underneath Dane St. Clair for the equalizer. Um, I will call this a, a mistake from St. Clair uh, because I think St. Clair's play has earned that level of expectation that he makes a save like that, despite the f- deflection. Yeah. That being said, we're not getting out the torches here. We're not, you know, nobody's <laughs> saying that this should affect Dane St. Clair's standing on this team. It's a rare mistake. I think he's earned that. Uh, you know, you, you make 65 amazing saves. I think you're due one miscue here and here that here and there. Um, yeah. and that was it. Um, takes a bit of a deflection, probably um just messes with his timing a little bit, and it does square by for the equalizer. Suddenly it's one one. And you go from feeling really good at halftime to a uh, familiar feeling that the wheels might be falling off. Yeah, and I actually sent uh, I sent a, a, a WhatsApp to the to the pod guys. We we have a WhatsApp when we're when we're watching the loons, uh, and I was like, I just sent a, I just sent an app that said, I feel like we're going to lose this one. And for those <laughs> who listen to the pod. Doomsday Jeremy is usually the one who who is all doom and gloom. Even he called yeah. me out for being the doom one. And then 69th minute, not so nice. Revs get a free kick outside the box. Gustavo Bao steps up. Just this left curler that was, was honestly a beautiful free kick. DSC managed yeah. to get some fingertips to it, but not enough to keep it out. Goes in the, goes in the side netting and... Yeah, it's 2-1. I mean, you tip your cap at that point, right? I mean, that is, that's a free kick that I don't know if any goalkeeper anywhere saves that. That's, yeah, I, I mean, that's I so. high quality. That's A plus from, from, a free, from a direct free kick standpoint. Um, it's curling away from St. Clair and ends up right in the corner. I mean, kudos to St. Clair. That kind of shows the quality of Dane St. Clair. If he's able to get a fingertip on that, like that is that is actually impressive to me that he was actually able to find, to make contact with that ball as it's curling towards the top corner uh, because it could not have been a more perfectly placed free kick. Um, yeah, that was that's a goal. That's a goal in any league. Stunning. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and then suddenly you're down to one. And here's where the subs come into play. James, as you mentioned, uh, Bongi for Lud in the 70th, and then 82nd, Unu for Fragapane, and Rosales for Trap. Uh, but let's talk about this uh, before we get to the final and before we get to kind of big picture things and what to expect moving forward. You have a bit of a, uh, a grievance to air on this Adrian Unu yellow card. T- tell me about this. So I really don't understand this yellow card. And I looked back in the timeline of the Minnesota United game. Google kind of covers everything, has a timeline. This yellow card isn't even listed in that timeline. So I don't actually know whether he even got a yellow card, right? But there's a ball that comes into the box. He kicks it down. He goes to try and have another another attempt at it. Two revs come together with him. One goes down basically on the ball, like with his arm on the ball. Whistle's blown. You're thinking this could be a penalty for handball. And it's no, turns out he's getting a yellow for... And, and the commentators, Cal and, Cal and Kendra, said that it was for a high foot or a high kick. And you watch this replay back. I have no idea where this came from, man. Like, I have, yeah. I have seen... That's a very bad call. I do not understand. He gets a yellow for essentially nothing. No. It's it's okay. If it's even a foul, it's definitely not a yellow. And it just disrupts our whole our whole rhythm that we we were kind of building into a little bit more of an attack. But yeah, I mean that could easily have been a penalty, and somehow it's it's a yellow card to Hanu that isn't even recorded in stats. It's just a weird. It's just a weird part of play, man. I don't really understand what happened. Yeah, me either. I, I saw the same replay that you probably did on Twitter, James, and it, there's nothing there, right? There's literally um, nothing for a foul, let alone a yellow card. Um, and it, it does ruin a, a pretty decent opportunity there for Minnesota at the end of the match to try to equalize. I mean, it's a ball deep in the box, almost at the six yard box, kind of bouncing around whistle blows and suddenly it's a goal or it's a, you know, it's a free kick the other way. Um, that takes some momentum away. It takes that opportunity away. Yeah. It's frustrating. I don't know if it really made a difference in the match. I think the, the, the no points is deserved from Minnesota United's end. Uh, but yeah, definitely frustrating to see a, a call like that, you know, negatively impact a win's chance at the end of the match. Um, our friend Chris Alphabee is chiming in, um, but he changed his name evidently to Bristopher Bralphabee. <laughs> uh, not, sure, not sure what's going on there. Oh, uh, just says late joining, but honestly blow it up. I'm done. Um, yeah, I mean, the more, the more, that these disappointing results come, the more that the uh, wins aren't able to get points, the more these losses happen, the more you're going to see that frustration kick in. And I was thinking about this ahead of the match. Um, you know, the Heath out crowd on Twitter is definitely loud and definitely boisterous. Um, I have never really aligned myself with that. Um, but at the same time, if this season does not go well, this team does not, not make the playoffs. So they find themselves 11th or or worse, on uh, very much the outside looking in. I think even if they don't make the playoffs, I think you're looking oh, yeah. at a team that probably needs a change. Because whether or not this run of play, this lack of quality is due to Adrian Heath, he is the head coach. He is also involved in the front office. So if the guys that you bring in aren't performing, he carries the weight of that and carries the brunt of that and carries the responsibility for that twofold 
for both of those roles that he carries within the organization, right? So you can yeah. look at this a million different ways and say, okay, yep, no, it's his fault. No, it's not. But at the end of the day, he carries the responsibility and he's the one who's going to be praised if it goes well, but he's also going to be the one who, whose job performance is judged by these results as it should be. And if they're not going to get results, this is a results-based business, then he probably is going to go at the end of the day. I don't know how hot his seat is right now. We're still a little less than four months away from the end of the season. So there is time. I don't know if Minnesota United's really ever going to make a change mid-season unless things go catastrophically bad. But I really think that it's, to me, it's simple. If they make the playoffs, he stays. If they don't, then I think you're probably potentially looking at a change in the offseason. Yeah, and I'd be interested to see kind of what percentage of people want him gone completely or would be happy if he had only one of the two jobs. Like, are you happy if he's the coach, but someone else brings in the players? Or are you happy if he brings in the players, but he's no longer the coach? Or do, or do most people just want him, like, completely gone? Because I think there's kind of different arguments for each mm. and probably far too many to go into here. But I think that's kind of an interesting conversation is how many of Heath out actually want him totally out or just in one of the two roles and then which one of those two and you know twitter twitter bangs on a lot about heath out like you said and usually i already saw a tweet from pa loon that said he's gonna have to wait for our podcast to just talk people back off the edge because that's something we're very good at doing we're very very chill about it and trying to find yep. positives so we'll bring that out later uh, probably tomorrow but you know, it is one of those things that I think that is a discussion going forward, right? Is how much do you still want him to be in control or do you just want totally brand new? Because also then do you bring in someone who does both roles or if you want Heath out, do you then go looking for two separate people? Yeah. That's kind of the things that like the, they got to not only like fans want to talk about, but I guess the head office and kind of like management Bill Maguire, right? Dr. Bill Maguire wants to, yeah. has to like think about himself too. Christian says all or nothing. I've always found it weird why professional sports teams try to consolidate these roles. I guess you could say that if the guy brings in the players and he manages the players, that maybe there's some continuity there. But also, I don't know, you see this in other sports too. And I know MLS in terms of the, the money that these clubs bring in and et cetera is fraction of what, the other leagues are but even uh, an organization like minnesota united enough money i think to go around that you can hire two separate people for these roles and pay them both pretty well i don't understand why you consolidate these scouting and these head coaching roles in the realm of professional sports um and so i don't really understand why minnesota united does it as well um i think honestly james I, they would be better served splitting those roles up but I do think that we're not going to see a situation where Adrian Heath leaves one role and focuses on another. I really think he either stays in both roles or he's gone. Um, yeah, and I, and then if, if down the road, if they decide that, okay, maybe we want to bring somebody else in from the scouting perspective and let Heath focus on the managing, um, just from a improvement perspective, maybe, maybe they do make the playoffs, but more down the road, they, they, they want to split those 
rolls up. And that's more of a strategic decision on their part. I think you could potentially see that. But as far as Heath's job security, I think he either stays in both roles or he's ousted completely, depending on obviously the performance of the team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it makes sense. Like, that's probably the way I do it. And he's up for a renewal this year anyway, right? So it's yep. kind of, if you make playoffs, then, you know, I think you keep going. But like you said, if you don't make playoffs, it might be time to, this is not me jumping on Heath out, by the way. Uh, <laughs> this is like, it might be time to clean slate and then go find two people. Because I think this is, mm-hmm. this feels like it's just a remnant of leftover when they came into the MLS that this is kind of how it's been. So they just haven't changed anything. Yeah. And and honestly, so the playoffs thing, it's it's not necessarily jumping on or off a Heath out train. Dr. Bill McGuire has actually said himself, I can't remember if it was in his interview with Andy Grader or with the 55-1 guys, that the reason why uh, he thinks so highly of Adrian Heath is because that playoff success that Minnesota United has had, because of that playoff consistency that Minnesota United has had. He mentioned that specifically, making the playoffs. So look, that it's good. That seems like we make playoffs. It's good. Yeah, no, it's good. But that's that. That seems like that's his barometer of success. Yeah. So that seems to be the line as to which Adrian Heath is being judged. So if he doesn't, if he doesn't hit that line, you know, there's I think there's a strong likelihood they go in a different direction. If he does, I think you completely flip at the opposite direction. I don't think there's much of a gray area. No, and I think that one of the things right is that. I would. I was there at Arsenal, right? I remember Wenger out, and yeah. people very, very quickly forget how much success you've had when it starts going badly. And I think you're right. I think if we don't make playoffs, there's probably a very good chance that we have a change. But what I don't want to happen for like everyone is that we then get worse for a couple of years because. What ends up happening is people will be like, oh, well, actually, we kind of, we, Adrian Heath wasn't that bad. And he was, he was kind of all right. And then, like, we're just terrible. That's also not what the club wants to do either. Right. So it becomes a super precarious kind of situation of like what you're kind of doomed if you do and doomed if you don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I think you're right. Like, playoffs and we're good, not playoffs and we're, and we're not good. All right, we'll go over uh, some positives. Let's go over some positives in just a minute. But first, I do want to give a big shout out to our friends over at Pence Homes. Uh, James, I think I can drag you over to the opposite side here and see. No, I can't. I can't switch you over. I think there's a way I can switch you over to the left so that people can see you. There you oh. are. Yeah. Right. I'll, I'll talk, but I'll, I'll let the people see, uh, see you, James. Uh, maybe you can mouth my words so it'll sound like that you're speaking for me. Uh, but uh, Pence Holmes, Nate Pence. If you're on, if you're on Minnesota United or Minnesota Soccer Twitter, you've probably seen uh, a tweet or two from Nate Pence. Um, he is a big advocate and supporter of Minnesota soccer, and honestly, that directly aligns with the support that we want to give the Minnesota soccer scene as well at SodaSoccer.com. Um, so it, it was a no-brainer for us to hit up Nate and see if he wanted to partner with us, and he has been, um, he's been excellent. He's been a, a really, really good partner for us, supporting us. And so you should support him and what he does. Um, Not only is he an advocate for Minnesota soccer and a supporter of Minnesota soccer, but he's also a realtor. He and his team specialize in the St. Paul and Minneapolis areas, um, hooking up with people with the home of their dreams or helping them sell their home. And you've heard probably countless times 
how crazy the the housing market is right now and how how weird it is to navigate well nate and his team they can help you navigate that market they can help you hook you up with with the house that fits your budget that fits your needs they can also help you sell your home for top dollar as well so if you're looking to buy or sell or both in st paul and minneapolis you should definitely hit up nate and his team pencehomes.com you can see it there or you can email nate directly nate at pencehomes.com huge thanks to pence homes for helping us out here at post loons and soda soccer Okay, I gotta switch. I gotta switch us back again because I'm not you. And you're not me. <laughs> there we go. I, did, I was mom, I was momming along with what you're saying. So hopefully, yeah. back. you did you did excellent. You were a great. Um, <laughs> you were a great little Vanna White there, James. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, and uh, Bristopher says hashtag James out. Um, <sighs> yeah. Print the shirts. Hey James, can we print James out shirts for Soda Soccer and profit off your likeness? Can we give you, can we give you like an NIL deal. This is an NIL deal, right? I've, yeah. <laughs> my Twitter. Oh, speaking of Sarah Fuller, yeah, was blowing up my Twitter with NIL things last yep, few weeks. Absolutely. And also, speaking of NIL, speaking of Minnesota Aurora, before we move on to Minnesota United stuff, shout out Bayless Flint for Minnesota yeah. Aurora becoming the first Minnesota high school NIL athlete signing with Truestone Financial, who's also a, a yeah, there you go. Stone. Also a partner yep. of Minnesota Aurora. Uh, she's a goalkeeper at Adina High School as well as uh, being uh, with Minnesota Aurora. So shout out to her. That was a very, very cool uh, announcement that was made earlier this week. Well, let's go over some positive, James. I want at least one positive from each of us. Now we've given a couple, but I definitely want to make sure that we don't completely dive off of the deep end here. There are some things that I saw tonight that I actually really enjoyed. But before we do that, Sam chimes in on the James out train. Um, (laughs) But I thought... DJ Taylor being thrown in on the right. I thought he put in another really good shift tonight. I thought that's a few really, really good performances. I wouldn't say really, really good, but a few solid performances from him in a row. Um, and this is a guy who, you know, he struggled early on in his Minnesota United tenure. You could understand if his confidence was shaken a bit, but it seems like he's a guy who stuck with it. And the coaching staff has always been high on him. No matter what anybody you talk to about DJ Taylor, um, you know, there's, there's, the, the word potential has been thrown around so much with him. And it seems like he's fi- finally living up to that. And it's a, at a very crucial moment for this Minnesota United back line where you have Michael Boxall, who's for as good as he's been, he hasn't been his optimal self this season. Um, over the last you know few weeks of MLS play, Bakai Debasi, we've seen some holes from him. Um, I thought Kamar, I think Kamar Lawrence has been excellent on the left, but now you have no Roman Metnair. Obviously, Hassani Dotson's gone. So they need somebody to step up and provide some quality along that back line. I thought DJ Taylor has done an excellent job of that as of late and again today. Yeah, I thought he was great. He looked super good, like you said. Defense, we also lost Chase Gaspar, right? So defense yep, has Gaspar kind of as well, been, yep. Yeah, so defense has kind of been a little bit all over the place. I thought, like I said, Kamal Lawrence made some beautiful interceptions, played a played a pretty solid game. Again, another couple of holes from from Debussy and and Boxall after kind of that first free kick with the dives and the pushes and the shoves. Like, you know, he's a tough customer, right? And it's mm-hmm. I he did fall flat on his butt at one point as well, which was a little bit awkward. But mm-hmm. yeah, DJ Taylor looked really, really solid. From my side, the first half front four was fantastic. The we we had this beautiful looking front four. It played well. It linked up beautifully. It just, 
it looked like the front four that the loons should have and, and I've been trying to have for so long. And we looked good. We had opportunities. We scored a goal. We just looked fantastic. And the second half, we just totally regressed to, to what it was. But the positive was that first half, we looked fantastic. And we looked like we could score goals and that we should be scoring goals. Yeah, I thought, I thought the, as you mentioned, for the most part, the front four looked good. Uh, on the opposite side of the positive train, I thought Franco Fragapane was a little bit non-existent again today as well. But... The way that front line played as a whole in the first half, I think that gives Adrian Heath the opportunity to continue with that front four. And actually, I've been harping on this all season. There's been this catch-22 for Minnesota United of, okay, these guys aren't performing, so we need to lump in new guys. But we're constantly switching things around and starting new 11s and starting new front fours. But there really isn't that opportunity to gel together, right? I think you saw enough in the first half from this front four to continue with them as you move forward. Um, and hopefully the more that these four get on the field together and play more and uh, they, uh, they just find that cohesiveness that Unu and Fragapane and Reynoso and Lud did late last season. Maybe we see sort of a second coming of that this year with Amaria up top based off tonight's play. I think that's something that maybe you can't necessarily count on it moving forward. But you can be optimistic about the potential of it moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, I just, I, I just hope that Amaria just has this game where everything falls into place, and he just like bangs in a hat trick or something, and then for the rest of the season, his confidence is just sky high because yeah. he deserves it. He's put so much effort in, and at times has has looked meh to be honest, but at times like the first half has looked really, really good and really positive. So if we can keep positive Amoria behind, uh, sorry, if we can keep positive Amoria around, I think the chances that we score more goals and we look more dangerous, even as him running as a kind of sideman or providing assists is going to make our front four look fantastic. Yeah, I, I think there's some potential there. And I think we finally see a, just a, a little bit of optimism and a little bit of, of a ray of light that like, okay, maybe there can be something a that ray, turns around. A ray of light? Pertains. A ray of light. There you go. That joke like that. on Father's Day. I like that a lot. All right, so let's look ahead here, James. What's coming down the pipeline for Minnesota United? We have uh, the week off, but moving forward, there's going to be a lot of Wednesday matches as we hit July. Uh, but you get the sort of no midweek match this week. We are back at it at Miami on Saturday, the 25th. That's a seven o'clock um, kickoff. And then Wednesday, the 29th, a late one, 930 kick um, at LA Galaxy on the West Coast. And then you're back at it Sunday, July 3rd uh, for a seven o'clock home match. The return to Allianz Field on the third against Real Salt Lake. Inter Miami has been playing well. LA Galaxy kind of let one slip away uh, yesterday. Um, and Real Salt Lake has been up near the top of the West as well. So it's not exactly going to be an easy next few matches here, but you desperately need points with the way the rest of the Western Conference is playing. Yeah, and this is the first ever time we're going to play into Miami. So yep. this is this is kind of breaking new ground, I guess, for us. And like I said, they have been playing good. Where are they now? They're sitting, I mean, they're sitting 10th. So, you know, they're pretty much kind of on the same with us. Thing about them, very leaky defense. 
They've scored just mm. about the same amount of goals, but their goal difference is minus nine. So they also don't score a lot. And this is something that we need to take advantage of. We have to go in there positively. We have to be like this first half that we played. We have to replicate that over the whole 90 minutes and into Miami. Just take it to them because they have a leaky defense. We can take advantage of this. And then, like you said, there's a couple of there's a couple of away games. Then LA Galaxy, that's going to be tough, right? It's LA Galaxy, mm. then it's Real Salt Lake, then it's Vancouver. These are kind of all nine point games, sorry, six point swing games, right? That are that are super super important for the West. Yeah. So it's really one of these things that if if we start losing these, we're already going to start losing touch. You know, we're two points behind seventh, so we're two points behind a playoff spot, but we're already five points behind Nashville who who are playing right now and you know it only gets worse from there we're already 12 points behind LAFC and we played the same amount of games and they're in first right so got to start winning these kind of six point swings and and pushing ourselves back up the table and it starts with scoring goals right you generated opportunities tonight you actually had a your xg was high you put some shots on goal now you got it you got to got to put it in the back of the net. How often have we been say, have we been saying that, James? You got to put it in the back of the net. But that really is feels like feels like a broken record. <laughs> the X factor for Minnesota United. All right, guys. If there's no more questions or comments, that is where we'll end post loons tonight. Uh, big thanks to everybody for tuning in and watching. Uh, big thanks to everybody listening on the podcast feed after the fact. James, big thanks to you. I'm sure we will do this again soon. Next time we have a little uh, midday game here on yep. the, uh, in the States. Maybe we can get you back on for a post loons. Uh, but also you might be locked out completely because you keep coming on for a lot. Of <laughs> well, we'll have to see, we'll have to see how things are going. If it's a big yeah. game where they need a win, maybe we'll keep you off for a while. But, uh, anyways, so every, every game me. seems like, yeah, you're, you're welcome. Anytime, James. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm messing around. All right. Thanks again, everybody. I appreciate it. And, uh, if you haven't checked out sodasoccer.com, please do. Um, you know, your new home for soccer coverage in the North Bay. She just recently eclipsed 100 posts on sodasoccer.com uh, in the first 107 days that we've existed. 100 posts in 107 days, all about Minnesota soccer, Minnesota United, Minnesota Aurora, Minneapolis City, USL League 2, NPSL, UPSL. It's all covered there at sodasoccer.com. So make sure you're checking that out if you haven't. Um, you can also hit us up, hit up our Patreon if you want to support us, patreon.com slash soda soccer all right everybody we'll see you saturday enjoy the week and uh we'll catch you after the inter miami match on the 25th see you guys enjoy the rest of your father's day see you guys later